I'm going to get right into his word. This is a part three. Uh, I spoke two weeks ago, and the, the sermon was titled, Comforted to Comfort. Who remembers the sermon? Comforted to Comfort. And then I spoke last week, and the title was, Given to Give. And finally, for this part three, I'm entitling it, Loved to Love. Everybody say, Loved to Love. See, the purpose for us being on this earth is to be a light and to be salt. The Bible says that if we lose our saltiness, we have lost our value. If we are not a light, then we are not doing or being what God has truly purposed us to be. Everything that he is in us is for someone else. We just reap the benefits of him being in us. But really, we are meant to use what God has given us, not for ourselves, but for each other. Amen. It says in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 19, 1 John 4, verse 19, we love each other. Let's just read this out loud, actually. If we had just, I'll wait a moment because it's worth it. We loved, we love each other. Actually, you can just repeat after me. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, verse 20, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. <laughs> I love the word. Don't you love the word? Don't you love its bluntness and the truth of the word? For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So God has commissioned us. He loved us first. And, and really, the world is meant to see us and our love uh, for them and come to Christ, right? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men, right? So when they see your good works, but they glorify God. So they see you, but it points them to God. Isn't that amazing? So it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you have been called to live in freedom. Who loves that we live in freedom? Right? The verse says that we've been called to live in freedom. Are we all thankful and grateful for that? Who feels like Christ freed you from your old way, right? Christ freed you from your sin and from this world, right? Who's who has been freed? The Bible says that we have been called to be free, not just to be free, but it says, don't use your freedom for yourself. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, the reason 
You have been freed. Yes, it brings a life to you. And I've been preaching these last three weeks that there is this benefit that we have just by knowing him, but that is not the purpose. Christianity has been turned into that your whole life is just letting God work on you and you getting closer to him. Yes, that is going to happen if you know him, if there's a relationship with him. But that is kind of just natural. That's not even the purpose. That's just what we, it's like me raising my children, right? Our relationship is going to be to naturally grow closer. But that's kind of just who we are, right? That's just the relationship we have. But if all that was what we are is all we did was just get to know each other, or the house would be falling apart, they'd have nothing to eat, right? <laughs> the, the lawn would be 10 feet high, etc., right? Nothing, whatever. It's not, that's not proper. That's the, it's like, it's, this is almost uh, hard to put into words, but I know you guys all get what I'm trying to say, that it's just natural that we're going to get closer to Christ, but our real purpose is not just to get close to him. That's just something that we are. We're just in him and he's in us. But our purpose is for him to shine a light through us. Amen. Even Jesus, the Son of God, when he came into the earth, uh, he spent entire evenings going and spending time with God. And I'm always blown away by the story it's showing Jesus had a humanity. Do you know that Jesus was human? Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. Now, that math does not work in the earth, but it works in God, doesn't it? He was human because the Bible says that he actually was mourning. His cousin John had been, had been murdered. They beheaded him. And actually, all Jesus wants to do is be alone, who can identify at times, right? I don't want to be near people, and I don't want anything to do with people right now. I need some me time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he was, he was called away. He was called away because the people needed him. He was just trying to be alone, but the Bible says he had compassion. Everybody say, Jesus had compassion on the people. So even Jesus, the Son of God, I can see the humanity in him in that story, and yet I see the purpose, he said, for this purpose I came. Jesus came to give his life for us, and he knew that. And even Jesus wanted to give time to self. You know, he did not sin. The Bible says he was without sin, so it's not a sin to think about self. The sin would be that you put self ahead of the world. Does that make sense? All right, we are to be selfless. It doesn't mean that you don't need to, you can't think about you and that God doesn't care about you. God's not skipping over you to love your neighbor. But who has found that by loving your neighbor, you find that you love God more? Right? When you put self aside, which is hard to do at times, and you love someone else, suddenly your issue becomes smaller. So it says here, and uh, the Amplified says in Galatians 5.13, it uses the word selfishness. It says selfishness. I don't know if we can pull that up, but it says, it talks about right there. It says, don't use your freedom for selfishness. 
And we've been talking, that's what the world does, doesn't, don't they? Everything they do is about self. It's about me, 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 me. Self, 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 self. Self-help, right? Self-fulfillment. Self-satisfaction. I'm just working on me right now. It says, but through love, you should serve one another. It's the way that Christ actually designed the system that we live in called Christianity. See, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Christianity is not your religion. Wow. We know that. I say it, but do we really understand what that means? It means, and I think we do, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I'm not trying to love. I'm not trying to be a good person. I'm not trying to make time for God. It means that all those things come naturally because I just love him, and so love for one another just comes pouring out. And I want to be with him just because I want to be with him. And by doing that, I, he starts to put people on my heart and to put issues on my heart, begin to pray for them and to stand in the gap for them. Who has found that that comes naturally? Instead, use your freedom to serve one another for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Man, imagine the world loved each other as they loved themselves. You guys have heard me rant many times about the road, but I think the road is such a great display of the temperament of people, right? I don't know why the road brings the worst out of everyone, but I'm telling you, every time I drive, I see more and more self. They just, I tell my kids, they hear me rant, Man, I, I just wonder what they're going to be with their kids, right? Because they're little sponges, no matter, even older guys here. They're going to be like, what are you doing? I'm going to hear myself, you know, driving with them. <laughs> but I just see more and more, like I say to them all the time, people just don't care. They literally don't care about you. They could just care less. And uh, the Lord is really letting us see it, not so that we get frustrated and get incredibly irate, <laughs> but so that we see how clearly, uh, see how clearly the enemy has infiltrated this world, right? And that we need to love them, we need to plead for them. They need the Lord. That's all that it is. What's amazing is that. The more you love the Lord and the closer you get to him and you actually learn about his grace, who has learned God's grace, the more you actually get a, like a revelation of his grace for you, the more grace you'll give each other. And what I find is that um, even if you don't want to, when you begin to pray for those around you and even those that are irritating you or, you know, doing something to you and you begin to pray for them and love them, that it actually grows. It actually increases, doesn't it? It actually becomes more and more. When I take the time to actually love, even though I may not even want to love, the love becomes greater. The Bible says here in the book of John chapter 15, verse 12, he said, this is my commandment. 
Love each other. I want to read this out loud. Let's just repeat after me. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Jesus actually told us to love each other in the same way. Does anybody ever remember? I know it's going to be hard. I'll need you to think deep. This is some real deep biblical theology. Anybody remember how Jesus died? I know we got to go deep here. Jesus went on to a cross, right? He laid down his life. He said to his disciples, I'm going to lay down my life for you. He says in verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus literally said, I want you to love each other in the same exact way. Jesus was crucified for me. Are you telling me that I need to be crucified for those around me? That's right. That's exactly what Jesus said. The love that Jesus wants from us for each other is a sacrificial love. It is undeserved, the abuse that we get to love that way. Right? Jesus did not deserve it. Jesus was mocked. He was hated, right? Even while he's loving them, they're telling him, if you are so great and you are such a big man up there, you know, let's put it in real language. You know, that sounds harsh. Even just, I don't even like mocking like that, but you know, that's what they did. You're so big, you think you're so tough, take yourself off that cross. And his love continued on the cross, because who, who is aware that Jesus was fully capable of doing exactly what they accused him of not being able to do? He said, if I wanted to, I could call down 10,000 angels right now. That's what he told Pilate. And Jesus said, I want you to love like that. So what we see from the word is actually that God has done something supernatural. So part one and part two and part three all kind of sandwiched together here is God has comforted us. God has given to us gifts and abilities. God even gave us his own love so that we could comfort, so that we can give, so that we can love. Do we see the pattern here? That what the Lord actually did for us, we always take it as very personal, which is not that that's not the gospel. I don't want you to think that I'm saying something else. Is everybody clear with me? I'm not saying that it's not personal, but when you really study the scriptures out, it's a lot less about self than the world has created, even the modern church has created, than, than the Bible really talks about. If you were to look at most Christian books today, it's going to be very little about how to love your neighbor and very much about how to maximize my potential. Meanwhile, maximizing your potential, though, is not about really anything but you, isn't it? And I find it incredibly ironic because when I read the scriptures and I read what Jesus told us and I look at his word, what I see is two very different gospels. And what we see is that God created a pattern, which is Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to pave the way and I'm going to show the way. And you, 11 here, you follow in my footsteps. 
and you do the same. And what I see when I read church history and read Acts and some of these first books before they all died is that's exactly what they did. They went and did what Jesus did for them, right? Paul is literally, and Peter and James and even John writing Revelation was exiled, and he's on an island. He had already been, they tried to tar him to death. You know that? They tried to do that old uh, old torture, which is just disgusting, but they poured tar on him, and he didn't die. That's what church history says. So they instead, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. He went to, to an island to live by himself, and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. And so we see that what Jesus did was he laid his life down for those ahead of him, and they laid their lives down for those ahead of them. And God's calling us to do the same thing. You raising your children is not a waste of time. You loving the people around you, don't let the devil tell you that there's something more important to do. Actually, I think it was C.S. Lewis, uh, and I, Dawn has the, the little plaque, and I saw it in my sister's house as well, but it says you're, something to the tune of your children are not uh, unimportant. They are the most important work, something like that. The point is that everything that you do for another and for your loved ones and for those around you, it is not a waste. In fact, it is the most Christ-like you can be. To be Christ-like is not to be good. It's not just to control your tongue and to keep from watching bad stuff on TV. <laughs> We've turned it into Christianity of trying to just be good and control ourselves. And yet, that's like base. Like, I mean, like, that's like preschool. Grade one is to share your love with those around you. Preschool is to be good. But we've turned the entire high school and, 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 and post-grad and, and master's degrees into just maximizing my uh, potential and becoming the best me that I can be. And it's not really the gospel, is it? Not when we really look at the scriptures. In fact, this morning, I was just meditating on the sermon, which I do uh, most Sundays. I kind of just go outside. I'll take a walk if it's warmer like today. And I don't try to read anything or look at anything or watch anything and just, just go out and pray and just kind of let the thoughts of what the sermon's going to be kind of just sit in my head and and see if the Holy Spirit has something to say. Sometimes he'll, he could change it if he wants, but sometimes he does give me a different sermon. It's rare. He's kind to me and lets me preach the sermon I already prepared. <laughs> but he can change it if he wants, and I, I'm telling you, he has. Um, but all of a sudden, this line just pops in my spirit, and I know it was God, because I haven't seen or heard anything to influence it. And it was actually the motto of the Coast Guard Rescue Swimmers, and also the Air Force para-jumpers. And it's a motto that I'm sure you've heard before, but again, I haven't watched anything or seen anything or heard anything to influence me, and it's the motto, so others can live. Does anybody know that motto? So others can live. In fact, the full uh, para-jumper is we do these things so others can live. The, the Coast Guard rescue swimmers is just so others can live. And the point is that there 
They've taken that motto really right from the scriptures, right from being as Christ. If we want to be the epitome of Christ, if we want to shine like Christ in the greatest way, it is literally to take your life and make it second place and put everybody else in, in front of you. And that's exactly what they do. In fact, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, Christ's love controls us. It says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So he's saying, Christ died on the cross, and his death on the cross paved the way for us to die. Who's excited? Who's excited? Who's ever heard, Christ died so I can live? Can I just get a show of hands? Who's anybody ever heard that statement, Christ died so I can live? Who's ever heard Christ died so I could die? Well, that's what it says right here. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all have died. <laughs> Who's excited? Christ died so that we can die. Do you get what he's saying here? What Jesus did is he put his flesh on the cross. You realize that's what he did. Because right before the cross, there was the wrestling. Really what he exposed was Hebrews 4. What Jesus was dealing with in the Garden of Gethsemane was Hebrews 4.12. And that's where the soul was trying to control him. Do you guys remember? Where Jesus said, there must be another way. And he said, but your will be done. There must be another way. God, I just can't do this any longer. Come on, let's just make it, let's make it personal. I've endured this long enough. There's got to be another way, God. I can't do this, but your will be done. I just can't love this person. I can't love these people. I can't endure this cross any longer, but your will be done. The Bible says that Christ did it. He paved the way so that we can do it. Verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live. So there is a death, but the death is not your physical flesh. We'll all face that day as well, right? The only guarantees, right? One of the only guarantees we have is death. The physical body will die, but in the meantime, it says that Christ died so that we can receive new life, and it replaces the self within us. Everybody say, self died so that Christ could live in us. Here on the earth, right here and now, sitting in these seats, Christ is living in you, and your old man, your old woman has died. Put him in the grave. You know what? After church, go, go to the grave and go visit your old self. Go put some flowers on that grave. Let's just get a mental picture here. That person is not you. You are not the person that you were born. You are not the person that used to curse and swear at your neighbors. You are not the person that sinned and mocked God. That is not you. Don't let the devil try to put that on you. That's not today's sermon. But you have to understand this reality that that person died, right, Dan? That person was put in the grave with Christ. You know that when Christ was on the cross... And God looks at you here on the earth, right here in 2022. You know what he sees? 
he sees you. And you know what happened? Three days later, Christ was resurrected. Do you know what happened? You were resurrected then. Not now, not one day. Your body will be resurrected again, but your spirit man was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. You realize? And so that's what it says here. It says, he died to pave the way. He said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to give you a supernatural life because there's going to be death, so I'm going to have to raise you from the dead. But I'm going to give you a purpose, and it's to live for me, to be called by me with my purpose. It says, instead of living for self, we will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. What does it mean to live for Christ? I think in this church, I think we have a really healthy group of people here. I do. And I believe you understand the scriptures. And so I'm preaching to you more as a reminder. But when I look, I'm very concerned at the state of the church today that does not even know what it means to live for Christ. We don't say the statements live for Christ anymore. We say what Christ has done for us. If Jesus is mentioned, wait a second, you ready? If his name is mentioned at all, isn't that sad? If we even mention the name of Jesus in a sermon, it's that he's got a free ticket to heaven for you. All you got to do is come to the front and say a prayer. There's very little talk of living for Christ. And yet when I read my scriptures, not just listen to theology and listen to a religion, but when I read the scriptures, and we just went through 2 Corinthians together, it tells me that what Christ really wants is to put self aside and to live for him. It says, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a resurrected new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What we need to be careful of is that when that new life began, that we didn't take it back again. He did not give us new life, if we really read the Scripture, to just take it back again and say, now I'm going to do the same thing I was going to do before, but it's going to be better. Now I won't have so many issues and so many problems doing what I already wanted to do, because now I've got Christ. The Bible says here in John chapter 12, verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, Jesus was referring to himself, that by him dying, look at us here today. Look at the millions and millions and millions of people that have been saved throughout history because of him. So he was talking about himself, but if we look back and we say, okay, you told me to love each other the same way you love me, 
Okay, if I'm going to apply John 15, 12 to John 12, 24, then what I'm going to see is that you actually are showing me that the love you want is that my life, if I just live for me, it'll just be me. I'm alone, and it's just my life and my story, just like the rest of the world. But if I will give myself to someone else, and many someones, that's what will happen. That's what does happen, doesn't it? God will open the door to many, many hearts, if you're willing. And what happens is, is that many lives are changed and not just you. Imagine if every single changed life just tried to change one more instead of focusing on changing me and dealing with me and I've got my issues. And, and so the Lord really, uh, I believe, is reminding us here that he wants the right focus. In fact, I was meditating on this yesterday or the day before that heaven is not really the focus of the Christian. I know that's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Heavens, of course it is. You say it all the time. I'm heaven-bound, heaven-focused. Well, what I mean by that is that Jesus is the focus. I want you to say that out loud. Heaven is not my focus. Jesus is. Because what happens is, is see, Jesus will be with us in heaven. Who is confident that that's where Jesus will be? When heaven comes down to the earth, if you set your focus on Jesus then you're going to go to heaven. If you set your focus on Jesus, then you'll be in heaven with him forever. But if I just set my focus on heaven, I could unintentionally create a Jesus-free place. And actually, that's what many are doing. Do you see how quickly that happens? How quickly deception creeps in? Deception will just creep right in, and we can create a heaven without Jesus. And then they start saying, well, why don't we just bring heaven to earth right now? Why don't we just live in heaven here? And so the Lord really is bringing our focus back to him, putting our focus on Christ. If we focus on Jesus and not just life after death, it will pattern our life until death, to be like Jesus. The Bible says, actually, to behold him like in a mirror. This is what that means. That means that all I have to do is put my focus on him, and he will do all the work of reflecting himself back on me. That means when the world sees me, they see Christ. So I'm getting the benefit, they're getting the benefit, we all go to heaven. I know that sounds like some little children's story, but to be honest, that's how simple the gospel really is. And I really believe it's been turned into other things that it was never meant to be. I know that if you're going through something, you know, sometimes it's hard just for someone just to quote a scripture at you. Right? I understand, and maybe, you know, it's a really stressful situation, heavy-duty situation or whatever, just life's going on, and it's really a lie from the enemy, though, that that's not what you need, even though your mind doesn't hear it. It's a lie from the enemy. It's still what you need. It just doesn't sound or feel right. That doesn't mean anything. Who loves getting a Band-Aid ripped off? 
Who loves getting stitches? Who loves when the doctor takes your arm and snaps it back into place? Do you get my point without me even saying it? Just because it doesn't feel right doesn't mean it's not what you need. Wow. Sometimes the things that we're going through uh, and the pressures we have are because God is using your life to touch another life. We've turned Christianity into trying to avoid anything that's uncomfortable because that's what the world does. We don't mean to, but we try to we bring it into our lives because that's kind of that's human nature to avoid conflict, to avoid struggle, to avoid stress. Why would we want those things? And yet, when I read my scriptures, when I read about Christ, Christ willing put himself under pressure his entire life. His entire ministry was literally under fire. Everywhere he turned, somebody's accusing him and mocking him, telling him, prove himself. One minute they're putting palms before him, the next minute they're crucifying him. And so pressures and things happening, we were, I've was been talking about how the tree is actually designed under pressure to produce more life than it did in a good time. And to be honest, uh, if we are truly walking in Christ and being like Christ, the pressures that are around us are not from God, but they are allowed by God to produce something supernatural out of you. And here's the fine line. It's not about you and it's not for you. Here's where it gets so weird. God allows pressure to deal with an internal conflict in you. Dealing with pride in yourself, right? So, you know, somebody's doing something and they're definitely wrong. You're definitely right. And yet you have to humble yourself. So you're dealing internally. And yet, even though that seems like you're dealing with it, it's not about you or for you, is it? Because the Bible says if you will love the person that's unlovable, right? I mean, I can think of a million. There's so many scriptures, but... You're, I don't like to use a scripture because people, I think, misuse it, but heaping calls on them. You're not doing something evil to them. You're just basically taking their hatred and their daggers, and you're just, you're just dissolving them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love just, like, cuts through. It does. It cuts through. So you think you're dealing with you. It's not about you. It's so that those who look at you, and you call yourself a Christian, when they look at you, they really see Christ. Wow. But do you see how you reap the benefit? We reap benefits by knowing him. See, the, the Levites, the Bible said, they had no territory. They had no inheritance here on the earth. And that could seem like, man, you know, these guys are allowed to go out and do whatever they want, and these guys are stuck. But... They had the presence of God. Come on. You know, that's actually what uh, the Lord actually uses the parable. See, the parable of the prodigal son is not just about the prodigal. Anybody ever notice that? It's actually, if you look at the context, it's not even about the prodigal at all. We just call it the prodigal son. It's really about the servant who stayed behind. Because... The real story starts with starts there talking about these sons and 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 what what's going on in the earth and then he, and, and in their time and their family and then 
it ends with him, and he, and he comes to him, and he's like, you know, I've been serving you, and I've been here this whole time, and you didn't do all these things for me. And he says to him right then and there, everything that I have is yours. See, the whole purpose is in serving Christ is that there's this benefit. It's so hard to even articulate, but I think you guys are getting me, is that we have this incredible benefit just by knowing him, but it's not, it's not something we strive for. It's not even something we really need to obtain. It's actually trying... You, your prayer is, Christ, help me to be more Christ-like. Help me to love the unlovable. Help me, Lord God, to be an example and a light and salt for you today. And I'm telling you, if that's your prayer, and not, Lord, just, you know, I'm dealing with this, and I, this person and that person, if, that, if your prayer becomes those things, you will watch that you will change automatically. That things inside of you, that internal heart issues and struggles, if you turn it and, and, and apply it to someone else, the effort that it would take to just to kind of deal with your issues, you'll find that the Lord will cover your issues. He will take care of you. You look at the scriptures, I've been comforted to comfort. I've been loved to love, right? Christ died so I can die. You start looking and you find this pattern. I could keep going. You find this pattern that Christ did something inside you so that you would do it for another. And if we stay in that circle, we're going to find like I'm not getting breakthrough. I'm just like stuck here. And it's because you're not, it'd be like me keeping my children and teaching them how to work. And all I ever want them to do is just stay in my home and work for me. But at some point, they need to break out and they need to take what they've learned and what they've been given and go and give it. And to be honest, in Christ, it's not long. Because who, who loves the story about the demoniac? Everybody goes, oh, well, it needs to be like 10 years, 14 years, right? We come up with all these theologies on when you're able to go out and share the gospel. And they're all not true. They're all just religion. The demoniac was delivered from a legion of demons. We don't know how many, but we know a whole bunch of pigs died from those demons. 2,000 pigs, whatever, right? But you know what? He says, he's like, okay, Jesus, I want to go to Bible school. I want to get in the boat, and I want to follow you around. I want to learn from you. And you know what Jesus says? No, I want you just to stay here, and I want you to share with your community what I've done in you. That's how quickly the gospel inside of us is meant to come out and start working out of us. Just like that. Amen? It's meant to literally be instantaneous, really. Now, does he have issues he probably had to keep working through? I'm sure. And when he went to the Lord about those issues, the Lord was diligent. Come on, who knows the Holy Spirit is very diligent. The Holy Spirit is very good. <laughs> he is very good about dealing with us inside, isn't he? We don't need to help him do that process. We just need to be obedient. The only reason it becomes a struggle is because we don't listen. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. The only reason that it, all we have... The library is filled with Christian books about me and dealing with me and overcoming issues is simple. We just don't want to obey. That's what the book should be. The book should be disobedience, obedience. 
Flip the page. Disobedience, obedience. If you obey me, it'll go well with you. Flip the page. If you disobey me, it's not going to go well with you. I'm really struggling right now. Saying the same thing over and over again. And what we're going to find is that, and this is what I'll get into next week, it doesn't mean that just because I've decided to obey and not disobey, that does not mean that you will not be under pressure. In fact, tremendous pressure. And I'm going to preview. I read a quote. The Lord spoke to me last week, and I didn't realize I would just be prepping for it. But I began to meditate on wine, olive oil, precious stones, diamonds. And I read this quote, which it's either unknown or it's a New Age spiritualist. So I don't know who quoted it, but to be honest, if they're New Age, they stole it from the Bible. So I don't care if I'm quoting them because it's all the Bible. They're the ones that should be quoting me. Wow. It says, grapes are crushed to make wines. Diamonds are formed under pressure. Olives are pressed to make oil. Seeds grow in darkness. Whenever you feel crushed, under pressure, pressed, or in darkness, you're in a powerful place of transformation. And what I'll bring us into next week is that every single one of those examples, though, is not for you. You're going through it all. But you, the benefits are his presence, but you're not making oil for yourself. And I'm gonna look, we're going to look at Matthew 25, how the real issue the, it was that they had no light. The oil equals light. They had no light because they had no oil. So you see how really we're going to look at it, we're going to look deeper, how the healthiest Christian is the one that tries to let Christ shine through them. Wow, that sounds like such simple elementary Christianity, and yet it sounds so foreign as I hear myself saying it. But being a light, being salt, being an example, loving each other over self, that's real Christianity. It is not dealing with your issues. I'm not saying they don't matter, and I'm not saying that God doesn't care and that he doesn't love you. I mean, pour your heart out for those things before him. But when I see the, when I really study the depth of like, what is this gospel? What is this whole thing about? What I really see is that it is about Christ leading the example, laying his life down for another. The disciples laid their life down for another. I lay my life down, and it affects much more than just me. And what happens is by doing that, by laying my life down, I've already become like Christ which means that there's already things working inside me and my mind's changing. I'm not talking this way. I'm not thinking this way. I'm not even trying. I don't need to read a book to tell me not to use foul language because the Holy Spirit already told me the moment I did it. The only reason I need a book is to try to reason why it's okay. Thank you, Lord God. Wow. Wow, it was a joy to preach that. I believe that the Lord's doing something in us. He really is I'm trying to bring, and I just put this shirt on completely by accident. And as I put it on, I was like, wow, wow, Lord. 
share the gospel, not your opinions. And then it says, right, the world's waiting. They really just need the gospel. They need it. This world, there's a world around you that needs the gospel. And that is in words, and it's in deed. Right? It's the love that they need accompanied by the words. If you give them one or the other, if you give them love, then they, it could be coming from anywhere. Right? It needs to be coming from Christ. If you just give them word without the love, then they're going to get hard, right? So it's got to be the word and the love. Amen. We'll just turn this into a prayer. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for this word. I thank you, Lord. Do a work inside of us. Lord, give us the love you have. Your word says that you loved us first. We're only loving others out of the love that's in us from you. And I thank you, Lord. You gave us the cross. Lord, you died for us. I pray that we would, Lord, get on that cross with you and that we would carry our cross daily. Lord, we're bearing things sometimes that are heavy and hurtful and hard, but I thank you, God, that there is a resurrection ahead of us. And I thank you, Lord, when we turn around, we're going to see a huge crowd of people that have followed us, Lord, because we led the right example, even though it was hard. And I praise you, give you glory, in Jesus' name, amen.